Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. A four-year-old boy had been naughty all day long, and so because of that, he had been sent to his room. If you're a parent, maybe you relate to that kind of scenario. Five minutes into the punishment, he came down with his teddy bear and his piggy bank and some clothes. I'm running away, he announced. So his dad asked me, he says, well, what will you do when you get hungry? Well, I'll come home and mom will make me something. He said, dad said, well, what will you do when you're tired? He said, well, I'll come home and sleep. He said, well, what will you do when your clothes get dirty? Well, I'll come home and mom will wash them for me. The father turned to his mom and says, I don't think he's running away. It sounds like he's getting ready for college. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, if you're the first time joining us, we want to say welcome. We've been in a tremendous series on the goodness of God, looking at Psalm 23. And I don't know about the rest of you. you I mean, I've read Psalm 23 many, many times. I've never taken it slowly like this and just chewed on it. And it has been so good for me. I hope it's been as good for you as well. It's been so wonderful. And and to kind of sum up where we've been, the first four verses, which we've gone through these past weeks, really help us look at God as the good shepherd, as as an able protector, okay? And he protects us in all ways, shapes, and forms. Well, now we're going to kind of make a little twist and look at the good shepherd in a different way. And he is our able and abundant provider. And when I say abundant, I mean abundant in every sense of the word. In fact, let me ask you this. We use the word royalty sometimes. Have you ever been in a situation or a place that that you were treated like royalty? I mean like, boom, and you go, oh my. You ever been there? I saw you, what was a few, Caleb? Um, Last couple of years, we've gone to Disney and uh, Disney World down in Florida and every time we're there, it's just amazing how well you, they treat you like you ask for something and they're right away absolutely you know obviously within reason but um yeah it, it's just astounding the 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 amount of work they put into making your time there the the greatest time you, you could ever have it's just amazing yeah on cruise ships like oh, i've been yeah. lucky enough to go on two and like it's just kind of like a step up from a normal vacation because, well, you got your own personal chauffeur chauffeur on the the seas, but then like your beds are made for you every morning and you just go and get food whenever you want. But like um, we were on one with his parents and they got upgraded because they'd gone on so many and they were in like the suites and they even had like an extra level of like, like they could call their person anytime they wanted something. And I was like, whoa, this is like no vacation I've been on before. And they got special seating for the shows. It was pretty sweet. I got to sit in the Chiefs owner's box a few years back with some folks. And that was just an incredible time, just the, the level of luxury. I mean, I I'd got to experience some cool things before. And that was just like this whole nother level of just the food and everything there was just like insanely cool. You know, when you have those kind of experiences, you never forget them. To be treated like royalty, like that way. I always love when Pastor Keith and Kay they talk about the experience they had when they had the chance to go to Malibu, California, and obviously Malibu is a gorgeous spot, gorgeous spot, and not just in any home, but in a home that was one of the most beautiful homes in that whole area, overlooking the ocean. You can imagine that with all the kind of color of the sunsets and everything else. But not just any home, the home of Mark Burnett and Roma Downey. Now, for those who might not know that, she was starting the uh, film, the, or the series, Touched by an Angel. 
Okay, but Mark Burnett, many people maybe don't know the name, but you would certainly know what he's done because he's been the executive producer of many, many, many very successful, successful TV shows. The Apprentice, mm -hmm. Survivor. How about this one? Shark Tank. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. That's a great one. I can imagine that. Uh, the Voice. He's executive producer of The Voice. Duck Dynasty, the, the Bible series. Think about this. He's been nominated for 143 Emmy Awards. Wow. Hey, think about that. I said, that. Is that crazy? Wow. In fact, Pastor Keith, because they were invited to the house, a very small group, a very intimate group, that they got invited to it. And, he, and Pastor Keith is saying that the Emmy Awards are just sitting there, just sitting around, kind of like, you know, we would have like a little bird. You know, they're just sitting around. He's going, oh, my land. But Pastor Keith said what was so crazy about it is they had been invited, again, in a very kind of a small gathering. But the people that greeted them was Mark and, and Roma themselves. They greeted them. They took their jackets kind of thing. They served the food to them. I mean, yeah. like, that is crazy. And the whole night was that way. But then Pastor Key said, he said, you knew it was a good party when they had just a little bit of music. They had brought some music in. It was Switchfoot. Oh, and Switchfoot yeah. did a, a, an acoustical set or a set just for this small group of people. I mean, that's treated like royalty. You know what I'm saying? And you never forget it. I, Cindy and I have had the joy of being able to experience some of those things ourselves. Um, we we uh, won a trip, all expenses paid, to Disney World. Talk about Disney World. What was fun about that, it's not just on Disney property, obviously, and all those things for a number of days. But then the last night, they closed one of the parks. And we, plus there was about maybe 2,000 of us, got in a park that normally holds 50, 60,000. There were 2,000 of us, no one else, and all the food was free. Wow. Do you know how many churro sticks you can eat when it's, <laughs> when it's free? <laughs> all of them, yeah. And the rides, there were no lines. In fact, if you didn't want to get off, you didn't get off. You stayed on the ride. It was absolutely hilarious. Another time we had a chance to go to, a, a, I think, one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been in, Perth, Australia. It's on the western coast of Australia in the Indian Sea. And we had a chance that we had been invited to go speak there for a conference. But then we got to stay a number of days afterwards on a villa right on the ocean, and whatever we wanted, we could have. I mean, do you want to go on the ocean and, and ride? You want to do that? What, what do you want to do? I mean, that's that kind of thing. Uh, you know, very, very fun. Probably the, one of the most fun is we had a chance to go to an island in the British Virgin Islands, which is an exclusive island, and only 50 people are allowed on the item on the island, but the staff is way more than that. So you have like about 1.5 staff for every person on the island and they have their restaurant on the beach so when you eat you're on the beach in this private thing i mean it's crazy again it was, it was something we it was all expenses paid so it didn't cost us anything but absolutely unbelievable kind of stuff you know when you think about that kind of things man it, you just go holy cow but we're gonna look at some verses today that the bible says it's for us okay so here we go psalm 23 if you have your bibles open up there psalm 23 and we're going to look at the first five verses the first four kind of for review but then we're going to focus on verse 5 for today. Okay, this is out of the New Living Translation. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest. Other versions say, He makes me rest in meadows green. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. And here we come to verse 5. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Think about that. Verse 5, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. 
let's talk about three things about this feast, because he's talking about God preparing a feast for us. And you kind of can kind of blow by pretty quick, okay, and go on. But we weren't going to try to digest this because there's a lot in here. So here's a couple, there's really three things that we want to kind of pull out about this feast, okay? Here's the first one. We are the honored guest. That's a crazy thought. That in this feast that God's going to prepare, we're the honored guest. It says, you prepare a feast for who? Me. 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 And it's, that's better than even the McDonald's moment that says, we got it all for you. Okay, it's beyond that. You know? And I don't know if you've ever been at a spot where you were the honored guest. I mean, to be honest, that can be really humbling. I, just a few years back, our kids, uh, my kids threw a surprise birthday party for me. Okay, it was a kind of a major birthday one. I think it was 30 or something like that. <laughs> but they really, they really got me. Okay, I had no idea. And there were a number of people there that were just very dear to my heart. And so when they opened the doors of surprise, I was just, I was, can you imagine? I was speechless. That's hard to believe, but I was. I, but I was so humbled, though, that I'd be the, I'm the, I'm the honored guest. Are you kidding me? That's what we are at this table. Now, What's hard for me to sometimes comprehend on this one, the depth of this, is we're the honored guests, but yet the reality is this. I was an enemy of God. Before I asked Jesus to come in my life and gave my life to Christ, I was an enemy of him. And to be honest, if I can really just be vulnerable, even though I love God with all my heart, even to this day, I can maybe still be an enemy because I still do my own thing. <laughs> it makes sense. I still want to kind of have my own way. I don't always want to follow your kind of thing. That man, that's crazy to say that. I was an enemy of God, literally. But not, not that I was just an enemy of God, but that now he takes that and I not only don't get what I should deserve, because I know what I deserve, and that's hell, separation from God forever. I, I know I deserve that. But instead of not getting that, he actually prepares a feast for me? And in my honor? I was your enemy. Are you kidding me? And you're preparing this, this feast for me in, in my honor? And my honor, and then, here's what's even the, th the third part of it, is that God himself waits on me. God himself, like when Pastor Keith, you know, went to the home of the Downies, they, Mark Burnett and Roman Downies, they served them. God serves us. That's a, that's a crazy thought, that, that the fact that, you know, when Jesus was here and before he died, that he did something with his disciples. Remember what he did? Yeah. He washed their feet. He washed their feet. Can you imagine how humbling that was for the disciples? But that's what God does for us. So we're enemies, but in spite of that, he creates this feast to honor us, and then he serves us. But that's who he is. It says this in Mark 10, that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life away. Let me ask you, when you, when you try to process, and that's a big thing to try to process, being an enemy, but now we're the honored guest of a feast he's preparing, and he's serving us, what what goes through your mind when you when you even think about that? I think for me, you know, I when when I'm being when I'm in the in in God's presence and um, and I read scripture about um, his his love for me um, and what he believes in me, it's really hard for me to digest that because um, because I I tend to you know beat myself up for the things that I've done in my life, right? And to think that he he's holy, you know, holy and blessing, and, and loves me for me, um, so much so that he'll 
feed me, so much so that it'll bring me to the table. It, I, I feel like I don't deserve it. You know, I'm sitting here being served by God, and the, the thing that I can think of is I, I don't deserve this, God. I, especially, your, like you said, I was your enemy. You were my enemy, and now you're treating me with kindness and, and joy. And, and uh, you know, he's doing this He's doing this because he loves me. You know, he loves his his children, and I and I just can't help but think of me feeling unworthy, like it's not something that I deserve. I think I think so many times it's it's easier for us to to say this to someone else, and sometimes us believe in it for for us. And when and when you say that, I just think of you know, God allows us to come into His throne boldly, no matter where we've been or what we've done, and, and just the thought of like you're saying, God himself serving me, knowing what I deserve, deserve and where I've been. Man, the only thing I can just think of is, God, I'm, I'm so humbled, but having the, the posture of my heart just being brokenness and humble. You know, it's, it's, it's something that, it's, it's hard to grasp and fathom, knowing what we deserve. It just shows his unending love and grace for us. And he does it so willingly. Mm. He yeah. wants to do that for us. Yeah. He wants to love us. He wants to carry our weight. He wants to do all those things for us. And to think of all the things that we've done to him, to ourselves, to others. And he still wants to be like, no, come on, sit down. Let's eat. It's, it's so special in a very strange, humbling way. It's so cool to see that in context with the other verses too. Because mm -hmm. we, when you have the verses talking about the valleys, when you have the verses talking about the moments where he has to break us and say, no, you will lay down right now and you will you will be led here. And in the same way with Jesus, there's those moments where he rebuked his disciples and he said, hey, get thee behind me, Satan. Or he said, listen, you know, you guys still don't get it. And then there's that moment where of this brokenness and serving. And it just, it marries the two concepts together. Because so often then when God has a moment where he has to correct us, we like to look at it. I like to look at it and say, oh, you know, oh, God's doing this, God's making me do this, but then you have this broken, this this, this amazing moment of, of servanthood shown with Jesus and shown here that just reminds you of everything there was in love. The whole entire thing was love leading up to this moment. I appreciate you saying it that way because even for me sometimes, um, the thought of, okay, God invites me to the table, but he's, while we're eating, he's gonna remind me, you know, here's what I did, you know, here's all things you did, here's what I did. He doesn't at all. It's just this lavish love that the prodigal, the story of the prodigal son, prodigal father talks about. No, no agendas, no so bring up the past. Conditional. Absolutely that way. Yeah. Well, we are the honored guest at this feast that's being prepared. But here's a second thing that we want to understand about, about this feast. It is a royal affair. It's a royal affair. It's a royal feast, not the royal fork. Okay, there's a difference. Okay. And, and, and it's key because it's not like, like okay, there's a little backyard barbecue and we get a paper plate, you know, with a couple of hot dogs and some chips, you know, kind of thing. Not at all. This is, this is the finest feast that you could possibly imagine that's put before us. Now, there's two kind of truths about this kind of a feast that obviously, in, unless you've experienced something like, you know, being treated like royalty, it's hard to put into words kind of thing. But here's a couple of things. First of all, this, this feast is exquisitely prepared. It's exquisitely prepared, which, uh, I mean, in fact, I'd say this. How many of you like a buffet? Okay, a lot of people do. But can we be honest? A buffet is 
a buffet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, okay, you know, I got this. Oh, broccoli. You know I mean? I mean, you just got certain things on there that, yeah, that kind of thing. And let's be honest that it's, it's you, you don't go, oh, that was phenomenal. It's about quantity. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. It's about quantity versus quality. That, that, that's a buffet kind of thing. Well, this is different. This is a banquet. A buffet and a banquet, two totally different things. This feast is not a buffet. It's a banquet. And, and here's what pictures my head. Take the, your most favorite of everything, your most favorite food, maybe the one that your grandma made, that no one can make it like grandma, you know, kind of thing, or your mom or whatever. And imagine that everything on the table is your favorite of everything. And not just your favorite, but it's the best you've ever tasted of it. You, you ever done this? You ever taken a bite of something and you just didn't even want to swallow it? You just kind of, <laughs> you just you just didn't even swallow because it, it was that good. You just want to savor it, you know, kind of thing. That's what this is. You know, I, I think of this song, which of course you you understand when you understand the the preparation that goes onto it. You ever heard this song? Be our guest, be our guest, put our service to the test. It says, tie your napkin around the neck, Sherry, and we'll provide the rest. And then it goes on and on. It says this, it says, soup du jour, hot hoarders, why we only live to serve. Try the great stuff, it's delicious. Don't believe me, ask the dishes. Then it says this, they can sing, they can dance. After all, this is France. And dinner here is never second bass. So go on, unfold your nap menu, take a glance, and then you'll be our guest, be our guest, be our guest. It's that kind of experience that you go, oh my Everywhere you look, oh, oh, look at that, oh, 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 that kind of experience. That's what it's really all about. Why? Because it's God's house. And everything in God's house is perfect. It's God's table. It's perfect. And what's crazy is that everything that you and I have ever wanted or have ever needed is at the table. Think about that. What is it that you and I say we might need in our life right now? Do we need peace in our life? It's at the table. Do you need strength? It's at the table. Do you need healing? It's there. Do you need comfort? Do you need wisdom? It's at the table. Everything you would ever want in your life, it's at God's table. I love it how it says it in 2 Peter 1. He has given us everything we need for life. I love that. Everything we need for what? For life. Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Everything we need for life is at the table. Unbelievable, it's exquisitely prepared. But this is the second part of the feast. It's also that it's entirely paid for. Oh my word, I like that one. Yeah. I mean like free. Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, great feast, but I like free, e even better kind of thing. You know, I, I love this phrase. It says, it's kind of in light of the election. Okay, we should not act surprised that if on next year's income tax, there's four questions at the bottom of the income tax. It says this, what was your total income last year? What were your expenses? How much is left over? Send it in. <laughs> That's unfortunately what we might be moving toward. But this is a feast and it's paid in what? Full. Hey, let's, let's be honest. You ever gone to a restaurant and you ate according to your budget? Mm -hmm. Am I right? Mm -hmm. You read the menu from right to left. Mm -hmm. Okay, we got this much of the liver. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you do it that way because, okay, we're on a budget. So, okay. But if you're ever in a place like you talk about a cruise ship or that where there is no price, it's all paid for. When you know it's all paid for ahead of time, mm -hmm. how much better is the meal? Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> Absolutely, especially when it's a feast there. There's, a, there's an old uh, kind of a youth camp song from years ago. It says this, 
Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. You can feast at Jesus' table anytime. He has fed the multitude, turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and dine. Man, this incredible feast that's exquisitely prepared. It's, it's everything we've ever wanted in life. It's everything we've ever needed in life. It's there, and it's all paid in what? Full. Paid in full. We don't have to try to secretly get it. Uh, you, might, you might like this story. I, th- I thought this was hilarious, okay? True story. Six 11-pound geese, 13 pounds of goose fat and liver, three ducks, one gallon jar of pickles, butter, and a package of poppy seeds. Those were the food items enjoyed by an alleged thief accused of hiding in a restaurant in a Czech Republic restaurant at closing time and then dining like a king overnight. So what he did, he snuck into the restaurant, hid in the bathroom, and then when it was all closed, he came out, and as they say it this way, he feasted royally, okay, and all this stuff, at about $800 worth of food. But then washed it all down with several bottles of wine and apparently had no room for dessert because he wrapped up some beer and strawberry cake before uh, he tried to get out and was arrested. <laughs> okay. But this is a feast we don't have to sneak into. We don't have to grab and go. We don't have to drive through because it's safer. Boom. Stay as long as you want. It is all there. This is a royal affair. Let me ask you, what goes through your mind when you think of this, that, that God has prepared a feast for me, and some of the things we've talked about for you, paid for. What, what goes through your, through your mind and your heart? And I, I just think about, and when you said, everything I need is there. And so many times in life, we, we look for those things that we need in so many other places that only God can fill that void. And, and as you're talking, I look at this, you know what I mean? And it's a place where when I enter, God is waiting for me and I want to be there and I want to sit there. I have a two-year-old daughter named Zoe and uh, we're... We're teaching her when we eat, we eat at the table. And for you that are parents, you know how that goes. It's a struggle. But I, I just see that picture of, man, like when we sit there, I feel like it's a place we, we don't want to be anywhere else. And in that moment, as, as soon as that we sit down, no matter where I've been or what I've done, what I've needed, where I've looked for that, as soon as I sit down, I, everything I need is there in that moment. You know, and, I, and, and we look for it in so many places, but as soon as we, we enter in that place and that God doesn't force us there, he's such a gentleman that he waits. And then when we sit down, you just feel just relieved. I think to go off of that from what you said is that you're not, it's all the searching. Mm-hmm. Like everything is in that one place. Yeah. It's on the table and it's presented to you from God. Mm-hmm. So where you look through all the temptations and all these other outside yeah. sources, like it's right there in front of you. And it's provided to you with love from him. Yeah, I guess the thing that comes to my mind, like you said, everything is at the table. Um, first thing that came to my mind was the song, Oh, Come to the Table. You know, like, come to the table. The Father's arms are open wide. You know, forgiveness was already bought. You know, it was already paid for. And like to, to just... And the image that you had with, with having your family around the table, like just that image, like why am I stressing about the things out there? Like the things that are truly important, the things that I truly need, I'm surrounded by it right here at this table. You know, like that's, that's, that's awesome. What's sad about that for me is that, you know, knowing that this, this feast is there and how much attention there is to it. And as you said, it's everything it's everything that I need, everything that I want, but as far as the food, if it was the best of the best, yet I, 
in knowing that yet I, I choose to choose sometimes to not take a seat. Mm -hmm. I take my own seat mm -hmm. and eat whatever else that I'm eating that's never even close to that. And yet, and yet I, there's sometimes those choices that are, that are made that says, you know what, God, I'm gonna, I've got this right now. So I'm not going to take my seat at the, at the table. To think that I would make that decision is, um, you're right, that seat, he's not forcing me to that seat. I had to make that choice. So, I have to accept that invitation. Right. And so many times in that I feel too that us knowing that we don't deserve that, the devil will take advantage of that and make us feel, you don't deserve that. Look what you've done. That's not your place. And the longer we believe a lie, it becomes our truth and our reality. But knowing that, no, God, God prepared this for me in anticipation, knowing who I am and what I've done and what I'll do, he still said, here, come. I mean, that's, that's an incredible picture. It comes back to the first point of we're the honored guest. Yeah. It isn't that we have a, just a place at the table. Yeah. No, we have the place at the table. We, we come early. No, 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 not, not today. Not, not me, God, not me. And God's going, shh, quiet. Let me wash your feet. Quiet. Let me wash your feet. Let me do that. And we're like, no, my feet are too dirty. I, let me go. Do, let me go take care of some stuff, and I'll come back. He's like, I want you now. You, this this food is prepared for you now. I think about the peace with that, like knowing how much God loves us. I don't know if you all have ever had a moment where you go to like an event where the, the food's free, but it's really not because you know you got to act a certain way. You know you you know maybe it, maybe it's a networking yeah. event. It's something where you like it's free, it's great, but you're the whole time you're trying to make sure you use the right fork and all this stuff, and you just get to the point of like I'd rather go to McDonald's with people that love me, right? <laughs> and and the thing with this is like it's the God who's willing to wash our feet, the God who's willing to take everything, and we can just have this comfort and peace yeah. of just knowing. I don't have to act a certain way. I'm just here. It's me and God in an amazing feast. Mm -hmm. For me, when I pictured, the, again, the feast and that uh, thought process that you just said, Tim, what kind of things are happening at the table? For me, it's not sadness. Mm -hmm. do, yeah. do you picture laughter? Mm -hmm. yeah. A lots of fun conversation, lots mm -hmm. of smiles. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. That's, that's yeah. what I think. The other thing I think about is you ever been at a place and you say, Oh, I wish I could eat more, but I can't eat another bite. Yeah. I can't. Oh, I would, but I, I can't eat another yeah. bite. Mm -hmm. God says, keep eating. You want more peace? Just keep eating. Yeah. You want more strength? Just keep eating. Mm -hmm. You want more joy? Keep eating, bro. Mm -hmm. Just keep eating. You, know, you never are too full. Mm -hmm. There's always more there kind of thing. So we're the honored guest. Crazy thought that we're the honored guest at this royal feast. But here's the third one that I think is so important for us to really understand. The third point is that there's a clause to it, and that is we have to invite others to that same feast. Demir says, you prepare a feast for me in the what? Presence of my enemies. Now think about this. It doesn't just say in the presence of others, in the presence of enemies. And sometimes we could easily take that and say, yeah, now that I like. God's honoring me in front of you. See? Yeah. I oh, yeah. You get, oh, you're going to get yours. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. What if the invitation, since we were an enemy, the invitation to the table is so then I now go, you know what? I was an enemy of you. They're an enemy. I need to bring them to meet you. I need to now invite others. That the only reason for us to be at the table is to invite others mm -hmm. to the table as well. Does that make sense? Because, yeah. mm -hmm. man, can we agree that right now in our world, it's 
if people don't agree with me, they're an enemy of me. That, that's how it is in, in, the, in the how we've made politics, we've made everything that way. And God says, uh-uh, no, no, they're my children as well. You invite them into the table. Does that make sense? Now, if you've never read this story, I love this story. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6. Just turn there for a minute. 2 Kings chapter 6. This is a great story that I think helps illustrate it kind of in a, in a story form. It's a story of a prophet named Elisha. Okay, there's Elijah and Elisha. This is Elisha. And just to give you a quick background, <laughs> Elisha keeps getting visions from God about what the enemy king is doing and where he's going to bring his forces next. So he gets the vision from God. Then he tells his king, okay, don't go there because the enemy's going over there. And well, the enemy king's just mad. He goes, how does this always happen? How does, what's going on? And one of the servants of the enemy king says, well, it's this guy, Elisha. He hears from God and he says, okay, we're going to get him. So during the night, he sends his army to surround the village that Elisha and his servant are in. And if you read the whole story, it's a very fun one. The servant wakes up in the morning and gets up and goes outside and the enemy has surrounded the entire city. He goes, what's going on? Elijah says, don't worry. God, our, God's army is way bigger than this. And he opens up his eyes and he sees God's army. But then we come to this crazy part of this story, which I want to read. It starts in verse, uh, in verse 18. Okay? It says this. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this isn't the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I'll lead you to the man you were looking for. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. He led them to Samaria and that's the capital city. So now they're in the capital city of their enemy. Okay. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. <laughs> Shock. Then the king of Israel okay, who's the king that Elisha's been talking with, saw them, he asked Elisha, should I kill him, my Lord? Why? Because they're the enemy, okay? Don't kill him, he answered. Would you kill those who you have captured with your own sword or bow? Instead, think about this now, set food and water before them so they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great what? Feast, Feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Arab stopped raiding Israel's territory. Is that a crazy thing? Mm -hmm. They're the enemy that they came because they want to try to kill and destroy him. He says, no, 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 you don't do that. He made a great feast for him. And because of that, they stopped invading from that point on. It's the old phrase that if you want to make an enemy a friend, you know what you do? Throw a feast for him and make them the honored guest. They won't be your enemy anymore. Mm -hmm. That's what God did to us, right? Because we're an enemy. God did to us. We now need to do to others. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. Because for us to come, being an enemy, now we're the honored guests at this incredible royal feast, for us to just sit there and, yeah, take it in? Mm -mm. No. We have to go now to the enemy and invite them into that same process. Make sense? That's what it's all about. You, you might have heard a story in the past that I think is still one of the great stories. Tony Campolo at one point was one of the just great voices in ministry. He was a sociologist at Eastern College and he had a book called The Kingdom of God is a Party. And in there he told a story that was a true story that happened to him one night. He was in Honolulu, Hawaii. 
He'd gotten there, and if you've ever been to Hawaii, your body clock takes a day or so to change, okay? So it's 2.30 in the morning, he's just wide awake, you know, because obviously it's time change there. And he's hungry, so he says he gets up, and he goes trying to find a place to eat. All he could find was this little diner. This little diner was kind of a grease shop, just a small diner. And he looked around and saw one donut left. With, he said, can I have a cup of coffee and a donut? And the bigger guy behind the counter, I'll get this for you, great. And so he's just sitting there. And now it's about close to 3, 3.15 in the morning. And then he writes this. He says, as I sat there munching on my donut and sipping my coffee at 3.30 in the morning, the door of the diner suddenly swung open and to my discomfort marched in eight or nine provocative and very boisterous prostitutes. It's a small place and so they sat on both sides of me. You can imagine the picture. Their talk was loud and crude and I felt completely out of place and was about to make my getaway when I heard the woman beside me say, hey, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. Her friend responded in a nasty tone. So what do you want from me, a birthday party? I mean, what do you want? You want me to get a cake and sing happy birthday to you? Come on, the woman said next to me. He says, why do you have to be so mean? I was just telling you that's all. Why do you have to put me down? I was just telling you it was my birthday. I don't want anything from you. I mean, I've never had a birthday party in my life. Why would I have one now? When I heard that, Tony said, I made a decision. I sat and waited for the women to laugh. Then I called the guy behind the counter and said, listen, do they come here every night? Diner said, yep. At the same time, yep. He said, what about the one sitting right next to me? He said, yeah, that's Agnes. Yep, she comes every night. So they'll be here tomorrow night? Listen, I just heard her say it's her birthday tomorrow night and she's never had a birthday party. How about we throw her a birthday party tomorrow night? The guy on the counter said, really? He said, yeah. Tony said, yeah. I said, I'll do this. I'll get balloons. I'll get party favors, that kind of thing. He said, could we get a cake? He said, I can make the cake. He said, I'm great at that. Then he called his wife. The diner says, hey, listen, why don't you make some of the other special stuff? Let's throw a birthday party for her. So Tony said, let's do it. So the next night he got there and they set everything up. He said, and the, the guy's wife at the diner must have told everybody else. He said, because at 3.15, the place was packed with prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm the pastor. It's full of prostitutes, okay? But we're going to have a party. And so I coached him on what to do since I had the idea. And at 3.30, the door opened up. And here's what it says. At 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner swung open and in came Agnes and her friend. I had everyone ready. And when they came in, we all screamed, happy birthday. Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted, so stunned, so shaken. Her mouth fell open. Her legs seemed to buckle a bit. Her friend grabbed her arm to steady her. As she was led to sit on one of the stools on the counter, we all sang happy birthday to her. As we came to the end of our singing of happy birthday, dear Agnes, happy birthday to, your, to you, her eyes moistened. Then when the birthday cake and the candles came and she was carried out, she just started crying. Harry, the guy behind the counter, gruffly said, blow out the candles, Agnes. Come on, blow out the candles. If you don't blow it out, you're gonna have to, I'm going to have to do it for you. Here, take a knife and cut it. She just looked at the cake, and without her taking her eyes off it, she said slowly and softly, Harry, it, is, is it okay with you if, if I don't cut it right now? I just want to look at it. And he said, sure. He said, in fact, we don't have to eat it. If you want to take it home, you can. He said, she said, could I? He said, yeah, sure you can. He said, I, I, I just live a couple blocks from here. If it's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be back. And he said, like holding a holy grail, she held the birthday cake and slowly walked out the diner. Tony said, I, I didn't know what to do. He said, but I said, hey, everybody, if it's okay, 
I want to pray. They all looked and said, okay. He said, I'm a pastor. I want to pray. And so he said, we prayed for Agnes. We thank God that it was her birthday, but I prayed for her heart, for her soul, for the wounds in her life, that she would come to know Jesus and that he would protect her and he would heal her. He said, when I finished, Harry leaned over the counter with a kind of a trace of hostility in his voice. He says, hey, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. What kind of church you belong to? He said, I thought for a few moments and the right words came out. He said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. That's who we're called to be. We're the church. And for those people out there, we all have that thought in our mind of whatever that looks like to us. We were one of them. We were an enemy of God. And he honored us by creating this incredible feast for us that he invites us to. We're the honored guest. He serves us this royal feast and says, okay, now go serve others and bring them to the table. No, man, those two stories are so powerful because both Elijah and Pastor Tony, um, you see a common theme there and they made a choice. Elijah could have made a choice and said, God, do this. God, kill them, whatever. And he didn't do that. And something that I think about that Pastor Keith, he's been saying, but it's like, we don't have a say, we have surrender. And the thing comes to my heart and God just speaking into me right now is, do I want to sit at that table and spiritually eat, eat, eat while all the people are out lost and dying and going to hell? Do I want to lay down my life and invite people because we don't know how that will impact their lives and I have eternity in mind knowing that that moment can impact where they, where they will spend the rest of their life? knowing that that it might be insignificant, whatever it may be, to, to someone it can be so significant, knowing that we lay our lives down and be like, God, I want to share this, this experience. I met Jesus. I want to share that with the rest of the world. It's not, I don't want it just to just be me. You know, and if, just imagine if we all as believers have that mentality. I, I, I experienced something that I never have before, and I met Jesus for the first time in my life. I need to tell everyone. You know, how many of us do we have family members that might not know Jesus, you know, and friends of ours, do we love them enough to let them know about Jesus? Well, in, in all this talking, it reminded me of the phrase, kill them with kindness, but with Jesus, and it's taking it a step further. It's not just the kindness. It's like the love of God needs to pour out of us into them because we can be kind for a moment, mm -hmm. but like, that requires us to, what Jonathan said, lay down our life, lay down our insecurities, lay down our hardness toward the people that have hurt us. The, the now the word's not coming to me, but the ideas we have about certain people or even just the people in our lives that have said something that rubbed us the wrong way and we, we think this way about them. How do our actions toward them bring them closer to God and not farther away? because that every action we take leads them or someone who's watching us mm -hmm. to Christ. Mm -hmm. And if our actions aren't in love, then why, why would anyone else follow Jesus? I think it sounds really nice and, and almost, like you said, a place of honor for God to want to wash our feet. But would we wash the feet of our enemies? And just kind of thinking about that, like, would I be willing to go to somebody who I'm having a quarrel with, and before I say anything, I get down and I wash their feet? 
would I be willing to do that? And like just thinking about it, it, it really kind of strikes my soul. Like, man, I've never thought of, of approaching a conflict or, or approaching a disagreement that way saying, hold on, let me serve you first. Like, like that's huge. There's so much, well, you don't, you don't agree with me, right? You're, you're, you must be against me. There's no, there's no stopping and, and just hold on. Let me, let me serve you. Let me, let me wash your feet. Let me invite you in. Let me, let me take care of you. And, and, and it just, just kind of popped in my head. Like when I invite people to my house, to my, my table where I'm preparing food, why don't I wash their feet? Why don't I, before they come in, say, nope, let me grab your coat. I'm going to put, you know, husband and wife. Morgan, can you take, you know, her purse to this place or can you hang the purse next to the coat rack, wherever, whatever that looks like. Why, why don't we serve each other the way God wants to serve us? And man, I, and then going through the book that I'm reading, something needs to change. Like, man, there's, there's just so much like, why aren't we serving the way God wants us to? I think something that we can easily forget too in our day to day is who's the host. You know, God is the host. He's the host of all of this. And we are the guest as you know, we've been talking about, but we're not the only guest. Our enemies are the guests. Our friends are the guests. Our spouses, our loved ones, our family are the guests. We are all the guests. So why can't we all sit at the table on that level playing field? Mm -hmm. And how am I to not know that I'm not the enemy of someone sitting at the table? Mm -hmm. They're, they're, you know, I may have enemies there, but how do I not know that I'm one of their enemies? I think one of the things that, that I'm coming to understand more and more at least trying to grasp more and more again is the fact that the church is not a building. Mm -hmm. We're the church. Yeah. We. So every day in every way, shape and form, whether it's in a line waiting to purchase something or at a restaurant, someone who served me or whatever the case may be, I have the ability to invite them to a table yes. that I have no right being invited to. Again, I was the enemy, just like you said, I was the enemy. And yet God creates this feast for us where the honor guys, he serves us this, this royal, this royal thing that he does, but then just simply says, okay, now invite others. That's what it's all about. The story's told that when Queen Victoria reigned in England, she occasionally would visit some of the humble cottages of her people. One time she entered the home of a widow and stayed to enjoy a brief period of Christian fellowship. Later, when the poor woman was taunted by her worldly neighborhoods, they would say, hey, Granny said, who's the most influential and honored guest you've ever entertained at your home? And because they knew her faith in Jesus, they thought she would say Jesus. And to their surprise, she said, it's Queen Victoria. They went, well, we thought you'd say Jesus. Isn't Jesus the most honored guest in your place? She says, oh, no, no, no. He's not a guest. He lives here all the time. Mm. Mm. Thou preparest a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. I wonder if maybe part of our problem is the fact that we haven't yet let Jesus be in our home. He's simply a guest mm. to us. 
Revelation 3 says it this way, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus has prepared a feast for you. Everything that you've ever wanted is at the table. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you think you are an enemy of him or even you think he's an enemy of yours. It's not, it's not true. He says, come to the table. Everything I have, I have ready for you. I wanna honor you, but then invite others as well. I encourage you, let that happen. Let me pray for you. Father God, this is an awesome, incredible thought that I was an enemy of yours. I, I'm the one who caused your death. You died for me. And yet, then you, you prepare a feast for me, this royal feast of, of everything I would ever want in life. And then you invite me to it as an honored guest. And then you, you serve me? God, what, what? that's crazy. God, but in humbleness, we just bow and say, God, thank you. Thank you. But God, then you say, okay, now look around you at all the others. Invite them in. So Father God, would you, would you break my heart over what breaks your heart? And God, that we're the church, not a building, it's us. We're the people that this week as we go out and we see people all around us, God, that we would, we would step forward and invite them to this same incredible feast that you prepared for us and we would invite them in as well. So God, thank you for this thought. And God, I pray that we not just be in our hearts and our minds only, but it'd be in our hands and our feet as well. And we thank you in advance for what you're gonna do. We ask this in your name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.